ladies and gents, uh, welcome back to uh, Engineers. We've got we've got Julian with us today from Zoe. It's actually the first day of lockdown. You'll probably be listening to this halfway through lockdown, uh, but I think the product's quite fitting. Uh, it's all around nutrition and wellness. Okay, so. 50% of your way through lockdown. Remember, nutrition and fitness is absolutely key. Julian, do you want us to give us an intro into Zoe? Your role as uh, VP of Engineering and the mission behind Zoe. Let's kick off that way. Say a big hi, Elliot. Hi, Elliot. That's, uh, that's great to be here. So, um, yes, Zoe, we are um, a startup based in London. Um, we are building a nutrition product. And uh, the core idea behind what we are building is that we believe that everybody responds to food very, very differently. Um, and Zoe was actually funded three years ago now and spent the first two plus years uh, doing kind of medical research. Uh, so running uh, running studies to really, really try to understand that in, in depth. Um, and we collaborated with quite a lot of universities and researchers and particularly um, KCL in London and something called the Twin Registry. So one of the uh, very exciting thing we did quite early on is, you know, get people to eat uh, specific food, take a lot of measure about, um, you know, how to respond to it in terms of uh, glucose or fat in, in, in the blood. And in particular, we did that on, the, um, I think, six or seven hundred twins. Uh, so, you know, for example, one of the things we found out very, very early, yes, uh, uh, so one of the things we found out very, very early is actually genetics doesn't play a significant factor. Like it's it's one factor, but it's not the biggest. So you, you do find uh, twins responding very, very differently uh, to food. And, uh, you know, that led us to kind of you know, continue researching that area and doing quite a lot of stuff on the uh, gut microbiome. Um, and we are now three years later and have launched our product in the US. And our product basically, you buy a test kit a bit like what we did um in in the study um that test kit uh is going to contain a cgm device for continuous glucose monitor some muffins that have like a very specific uh nutritional value um some uh blood spot cards that you can take some blood sample some stool sample and you follow a few days a very specific protocol eating the muffin in the in the morning fasting for three hours taking your um doing a blood test send everything back to us, and then we can give you quite a lot of insights um, about how you responded um, to, to, to the food during this, uh, this testing period, because you also log all your meals that you have. And more interestingly, um, you know, beyond the insight, we're going to make you uh, recommendations uh, as to what food are good for you or maybe not as good. And if you wish, we're going to give you an action plan to follow for several weeks, or you can follow for as long as you want. To really try to kind of you know boost your health by just having a better nutrition. Okay, we have quite a, quite exciting uh, feedback on on those features from the people that are following it. That that's pretty interesting. How how many or is the output different for each person, or do you fall into a category and your diet plan, let's say, follows that way? So. 
Um, the output is different for, for, for different people. I mean, at the end of the day, we um, score you along three axes, which is how good you, a responder you are on uh, glucose, on fat, uh, and then um, how diverse or not your, your microbiome is, and whether you have specific uh, bacteria. Um, side note, one of the things we find out is that there is a good parasite that if you have it, is extremely correlated uh, with being lean. Uh, and about a third of the population, I think, uh, in the UK uh, has that parasite. Um, I don't. So basically, you know, we take all of that into account um, and then we're going to start, you know, making recommendations. So um, w- one thing that people have to realize that it's not a silver bullet. Like we, uh, there is no one for which uh, eating French fries uh, at every meal is going to be great. Uh, that's not true. So, you know, French fries will never score very well in, in our algorithm. Um, but there are definitely people that should favor more carbs or more fat. Uh, there are people that are actually quite bad on both. So that eliminates quite a lot of food. And there are people that are quite healthy. So they have like a lot more latitude to um, to eat a bit what, um, what, what, what they want. So... Yeah, we just you know put you on, on you know place you on those axes and and basically all our scoring is derived from that. Um, and after that, we've got some general rules, which is overall to have a great day, uh, target a score of seventy five for the day, and and basically that take into account not only the meals you have but also the sequencing. Um, because that's something that matters quite a lot. So, for example, um, blood sugar uh, tends to rise very quickly and decrease very quickly after you eat something, which is not true for fat. Uh, fat kind of builds up during the day, um, and you know that probably means that um, you know you can actually have quite a reasonable amount of fat per day without that being uh, bad for you, but probably want to space it. So maybe you have, you know, in the morning and in the evening instead of having, you know, uh, lunchtime and dinner so that you, you can actually, your metabolism can actually, um, you know, process the fat uh, during the two, uh, the two meals. So that's the kind of thing that our algorithm takes into account uh, and we're constantly uh, in improving it. So you're a nutritionist by day, techie by night? Uh, I'm, I'm a new versus all the people in the company. Uh, I, I roughly try to follow what on earth we're doing, but uh, no, there, there are people that actually know that stuff. I'm, I'm not one of them. No, no, nice. Okay. So what do you do as VP of engineering? Give us some insight into what that role looks like at Zoe. Yeah, so I think at, um, at Zoe, that role evolved quite significantly in the last year. Uh, so uh, as I'm sure all the listeners are very much aware, like, you know, VP of Engineering is just a title that doesn't say uh, much. And when I joined a year ago, you know, the engineering team was was very small. Um, I think we had like um, eight people, something like that. So um, it's different job from today where we're reaching the point where we're at 20. But... I guess even independently of the size, um, what I do and what I think is a good description of VP engineering is kind of trying to make sure that you know the the, the, the trains uh, arrive on time, that the engineering team is uh, is happy, uh, making the link between the leadership team and 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 the technology. Um, and in the last year, basically, there's been a lot about yeah, uh, do we work on on the right things or you know working with um, with the product team. Do we build the right technology for it, which is actually very hard in the start, start because you have to constantly trade off just getting things out of the door uh, with uh, not building too much technical depth. And I'm not sure we've really uh, tackled that. 
building the team. So I think we went, uh, we almost doubled in the last four months. Um, so that's, you know, I had, I think I had like 17 interviews in the span of uh, six weeks at, uh, at some point. Seventy. <laughs> um, something like that. I have the stats somewhere. Uh, yeah, it was, um, nice. it was a, bit, um, a bit crazy. Um, but yeah, so, you know, you do whatever it takes, uh, you know, as a, as a small, as a small startup, but with a strong focus on, on trying to, you know, just, um, you know, get leverage for other people to actually do the work and, and trying to, uh, to align them. Um, but I do sometimes still write a bit of code, uh, mostly because I've been there for a year and therefore I actually have quite a lot of context, which is you know, quite relevant for, uh, you know, solving a small problem here and there, or at least uh, I could do it a lot faster than, than, you know, other people that joined very, very recently. So I'm trying to, uh, you know, teach them the stuff I do, but uh, hopefully not, not too much because that's not really what, what the, the job is about in theory. I like that. That's a good example of just, you know, uh, you do whatever it takes. Uh, I, I like that. Why, why do you think the um, product part and not building technical debt is tough? Is it your specific product and, I guess, kits that you're offering to people? Or is it generally? That's quite a tough thing. No, I, I suspect that's um, a general thing in the sense... Um, you are in an environment where you need to um, learn very, very quickly. Uh, and um, you know, the, the typical example is that we launched our product um, at the beginning of August. Um, and that was following the, the big push that we did on the, on the COVID symptom study app. Maybe we'll, we'll talk about that. So um, we ended up launching something that was uh, really imperfect. And I think we've uh, followed one of the Silicon Valley mantra, which is uh, if you're not a little bit of shame of your product at the time you launch it, then you're probably launching it too late. Um, and I think we're certainly at that point in terms of being able to scale the operations in the sense a lot of things were still manual and a lot of things are still manual, like you know, literally people you know, copy-pasting a number from one spreadsheet to another because the system have not been linked um, um, together. But then you've got this you know, constant uh, trade-off, which is you know, on one side, um, you, know, you do want to sell your product more, uh, but the more you sell it, uh, if it's not automated, the more manual work you have. Uh, yeah. uh, and then you want to kind of, you know, automate it um, as much as you can. Uh, but those two things kind of pull in a slightly different direction, um, at least in, in the short term. Um, and, you know, you're like, oh, you know, the right way to automate it would be to do, you know, that way. Sure, but that way is going to take whatever, three weeks. So that three weeks where we have to keep doing things manually and, and you know, someone run the job or, or doing something every day. Okay, is there a way where we can just have it faster? Uh, Great, but now we're probably going to incur some some form of debt, and it's just very very hard to know where to put the trade off. I think when you're in a very established place where your product, you know, you know your product is going to evolve, but not drastically. Uh, it's just kind of a you know, small increment. Um, you have quite a bit of visibility on what's um, going to happen, and therefore it's it's not too hard to plan. Where you generally don't know if you know three months from now you're just not going to make like a massive pivot that just uh, means you can you know erase thirty percent of what you did in the last two months, then suddenly what do you try to optimize for? Like you know, does it matter if those thirty percent are uh, are really great? Well, not if they are deleted. How do you, how do you know what is market fit and what isn't market fit? 
and where to prioritize spending time? Um, you mean in terms of product market fit? That's it, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I think what one definition I've heard of product market fit, uh, which I find quite interesting, is when the market is pulling you so much that uh, you can't deliver. Uh, there's just a lot more people that want to buy your product that you can actually sell it, whether it's uh, you know physical or, or 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 digital. So, of course, if you're in a world of digital, it's probably easier because you can you know scale with with, with the cloud or etc. Uh, but even that is not necessarily true, right? Your your architecture will have some some limits, and uh, there's probably still again things that need to happen manually behind the scene, and not enough people to do it. Um, so I think that's that's one of the deficiencies I've I've, um, I've heard in the past that I like quite a lot because it doesn't it doesn't mention customer value, but it is implied. As in, you would not have you know all that demand if people did not find value in your product. Um, and and for me, that's really the intersection of the two, which is not only you need to provide value to your customers, but you can only say, I think, that you find product market fit if you find a market that is big enough. Like it's easy to provide value to five people. Uh, you can do something extremely targeted for them. Um, but, um, you know, one million people, different story. Yeah, I 100% agree. And talking about some of those points of optimization, pivoting talk to us about the covid symptom study that that was a pretty impressive story i I think it's got to be march april time just off the top of my head just following you guys on linkedin seeing what you'd built within i think 24 36 hours you hit a million users or a million downloads talk to us about that talk to us about those conversations where you were like, let's do something, let's have an impact, and how you turn that around to actually delivering something. Yeah, so I think as, uh, as, as context, I think something we all believe at Zoe is um, having a positive impact for, for the world. And at the core of what we're doing is we're trying to um, you know, improve people's nutrition um, and you know, their general awareness. Um, and yeah, we are, you know, in March, I think the lockdown has just started. So everybody's uh, is not in a very good mood and, you know, the news is just terrible. And um, and one of the things that we had for us is that um, we had run those medical studies and we had worked with a lot of people around the world, universities and again, KCL and, you know, KCL. More or less the same thing is happening for them. They're not at that point doing any research on on, on COVID, but uh, you know they're they're attached to um, you know St Thomas Hospital. Things are going uh, you know very very badly there, and they're like, well, you know, how can we help? Well, you know, let's do research on COVID, and especially with our database of twins, uh, we have a very um, interesting data set. You know, basically this twin registry of some of the most studied people in the world. Uh, they're been doing every possible medical study that you can imagine. So it was very interesting from their perspective to say, let's see, you know, let's strike that court of people and let's see how they respond to, to COVID in general, see if we can detect any pattern. And at that point, um, Tim Spector, which is one of our founders, but also um, professor at, uh, at KCL and kind of um, leading the twins department, um, you know, talk to us, uh, Jonathan, the CEO of Zoe, me, and say, like, you know, 
it would be great if we could build an app to just track people's symptoms because that's the one thing we don't understand. And we're like, yeah, let's 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 give it a try because you know, is there anything more important than that at the moment? Um, so it's like, great, uh, we are Thursday morning. Uh, can I have it for tomorrow evening, please? <laughs> yeah, cheers. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and we're like, well, you know what? Let's give it a try. Um, so at that point, we kind of assembled a team like really a Catherine style. Uh, you know, and um, I think I had the first conversation with Jonathan at 9 a.m. Uh, in the morning because that was being discussed during the, during the morning with, with Team Him and other people at KCL. So, you know, reach out to my team and say, hey, is there anyone that, you know, um, if that happens, is there anyone that want to participate in this kind of hackathon where, you know, we, we're going to try to build that up? And, you know, a few people volunteer because everybody, you know, as I said, was very um, um, you know, down with COVID and everybody wanted to help. And it felt like, you know, um, um, yeah. you know one of the way we could. Um, so at... Um, at noon, um, we actually got a, a, a proper brief with um, two people from KCL, including Claire Stevens, that is um, kind of leading the the, um, the research side. Um, and yeah, we started to build the thing, um, and with this idea that yeah, we wanted to really have something uh, ready in in thirty six hours. So there was not a lot of sleep, um, but. Um, on Friday evening, towards midnight, we reached a point where we had something that was good enough to submit to the App Store and, and the Play Store. Um, and interestingly, because actually I think we're not necessarily super experienced with that, but what took us the longest amount of time, even though we exercised a lot of pressure, was to get the app approved uh, because both Apple and Google was were super careful about uh, having any apps talking about COVID, and for good reasons. Like you know, this is a very easy way to you know drive yeah. people to do uh, you know wrong things. So we spent the weekend just activating our network in every possible way to try to get the app uh, out of the door. What we had for us was the support from um, you know leading research universities um, that could literally put you know write papers and write letters on uh, um, you know on, on on the university paper and say yeah yeah we're supporting that this has uh, ethic approvals um, and we launch it um, the next Tuesday morning. My um, team going. Uh, well, Tim was going to be uh, live on, on BBC Radio. It was cancelled 15 minutes uh, before. So we were all pissed off about it. Say, oh, that's a shame. But he started tweeting about it. And, yeah. you know, for the first few hours, it was like, yes, quite a few people yeah. are, are, you know, um, retweeting, etc. Then it really kind of started to bubble up. And we ended up uh, at the end of the day with uh, 200,000 people um, having the app installed, which was like already... Um, um, tons more than we were expecting, yeah. And and the next day, basically, um, the press um, just um, you know it took twenty four hours for the press to to notice, yeah. Uh, so all the newspaper, online newspapers, started to you know have headlines about it the next morning. I think at eight fifty, uh, the whole system was down uh, on the load. So at eight fifty, we had already more traffic than any any point in the. 24 hours before, um, which was still quite early in the day. Um, but we got around that and then we ended up at the end of the day with 1 million people indeed um, having the app installed and, and logging their symptoms. What a story. And 
what an unbelievable achievement for such a small team and what that will do for your brand going forward that you can pivot, turn something around, deliver it, have such a big impact. That's great for you guys. Yeah, I mean, it certainly has been exciting, especially when you think that um, the initial team was six people, uh, four engineers, two across the back end, two across the, the mobile app, one UX designer and, and Jonathan Osio that was um, kind of doing the link with um, the scientists, but also with the legals. Um, yeah. So that, that, was, that was a small team. But as we quickly find out when we launch, I know, 36 hours before, this small team of six turned into 40 people. Because now when you've got a product that is just uh, used by 1 million people and, you know, literally your, your brand is on the line, yeah. uh, then it's literally, you know, all hands on deck. And, and I mean, we, we took like such a massive amount of shortcut to, to, to release the app. Like the app was not great in, in, in any way. So, you know, we had like God knows how many people emailing us, tweeting on Instagram, everything you want. So for the first two or three weeks, I think there was like, 10 people just you know replying to social media and emails stop eight hours a day um the wall engineering team pivoted to that uh almost overnight um so it's been yeah and and quite 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 interesting but not without uh stress and not without consequences both positive also negative because that's great to do that right that helps but that doesn't pay the bills <laughs> yeah no absolutely and was it just a, a symptom study understanding what symptoms are happening around the world yeah so the basically the app uh, when when you install it um, you're gonna fill your profile so give us information about your age your weight where do you live uh, you know any medical antecedent that you have and um, all those kind of things. Um, and then on a daily basis, you can report your symptoms. Uh, do you have fever? Uh, are you coughing? Um, do you have loss of uh, smell or taste? Um, and, and, and all those things. And this is, for many months, that was really, really unidirectional. Yeah. You were giving us data. That data was uh, fed to plenty of research institutions. That data goes on, the, on the Sir Patrick Valiant's desk every single morning. Wow, okay. Uh, we had like a, we actually had like a Zoom call with him, the whole team that work on on COVID about two weeks ago, and he was telling all of us that every morning I look at your data. It's a PDF uh, that uh, that I open. And I have specific things that I look. So that is very very important. Um, very important data source um, for plenty of organization and, and and a lot of research has been built on top of it. But it has been very unidirectional in the sense you were giving that data and the only kind of you know feedback loop was, hey, several weeks later, uh, there is a research paper or some kind of discovery that you know you'll probably um, know little about. Um, since then, we've had it a lot more content back um, to kind of you know explain to people what we're doing, but we also um, maybe two months or one month after launching the app started publishing our own trends that at the beginning were the best you could have in the UK because the testing system, testing regime was just not um, not there. Um, still today, we have, um, you know, our charts are published on, on newspaper on a weekly basis. Um, and um, and you can access those directly in, in the app. So um, yeah, you, 
You should have yeah, you should have thrown your hat in for the test and trace, test and trace, track and trace. I think, <laughs> and seen what that have done. That would have been quite interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's been interesting because they're trying to optimize for, I guess, a slightly different things. And um, you know, for us, the goal was just you know ship something ASAP. Do not try to be perfect. And I think for them, they had like a, a specific set of constraint um, where. The, they were aiming for something like um, a lot more complicated and laying a lot more hedge cases and etc. Um, and yeah, that was um, just just a very 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 different product. But one of the things we, we really struggled with um, at the beginning is that um, well, very quickly um, you know, everybody uh, at uh, NHSX, this, which is the uh, uh, kind of institution that was uh, building that up. We're pretty much aware of uh, what we're doing because you know was suddenly used by one million people and all over the press and uh, um, yeah there, there was a lot of resistance um, and you know we've tried to build uh, bridges for the first few weeks but that was just not working it's uh, yeah it's a lot better now because actually uh, the work we do in the COVID symptom study uh, is now government funded um, so. I think it was about two, three months ago. Um, we actually uh, received a grant to continue running it. So that's kind of you know, show the value that the government is uh, getting from 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 that. Uh, because we could not have continued doing it. It just costs too much money uh, to to run uh, if uh, if we do it by ourselves. We just you know we don't have. We're just starting to get revenue. Uh, we certainly cannot spend you know four million a year running the COVID symptom study app. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. Good. And it's interesting to understand, uh, obviously, the the heavy science influence that you've got on the products that you've built, whether that's personal analysis or DNA analysis to some of the models that you've built through the first two years, all the research centers or partners that you've got. I'm keen to understand where does technology or where do the two meet? Let's just say science and technology with Zoe. I'm quite keen to understand that. Yeah, so it's um, it is an interesting challenge that we have in the sense. Um, on one side, you've got this kind of you know, core science, and um, you know, we we're working with you know, scientists, people that work in, in in universities and really understand nutrition. Um, and you know we um, we basically link, link them with with data scientists that um, you know going to you know, run a lot of analysis on on the data that we uh, collected. But you really have this kind of you know loop where you know the scientist, which really knows that stuff better than 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 we do, kind of you know come up with you know what would be a good good experiment to run, what would be you know good medical studies. Great, let's build uh, you know whatever is required. And, and one reason we've managed to run those nutrition study um, is because we, we build an app to actually help people to kind of, you know, log their meals and et cetera. Um, and it seems very obvious, but actually for the people who are working in university background, like they had no capacity to do that. Like for them, you know, a big nutrition study was like 30 people. Uh, so when we, you know, when we offered to do to do it on one thousand people, that was like 
totally new for them. So we really have this kind of you know loop where you know scientists kind of you know tell us um, what needs to you know what are good things to to to, to look for. We build the software for it. We kind of you know um, um, onboard the, you know the, the people in the study to to gather that data. We get the data back. We get our own team of data scientists that start, you know, doing analysis and then share the finding with uh, with the scientific team, um, scientific advisory board, and then we kind of you know just continue. But where that gets um, interesting and complicated is that uh, you know the science part, the time horizon is long, at least for for a startup. Like you know. Yeah. Uh, this is, you know, the, the research we do now um, will take months to uh, to land into the product. And on the other side, you've got, you know, uh, the more uh, product people that obviously are aware of all the science, but really uh, what they want is an improvement to, you know, the, the user experience like, you know, next week. Uh, and, and you know, in the middle, you've got engineering that is, you know, spreading his resource um, across, you know, those two very, very different time horizon. So I'm... Um, that is an interesting challenge. I think that's something that we've not fully tackled yet. Yeah. In the sense, in some way, we still have those two parts a bit a bit disconnected, and I think we need to be better at actually really doing you know the core science on you know the one thing our customers are telling us now and really trying to try it very very quickly. Um, but it's going to be a lot easier now that we've launched because for a long time um, the feedback we we're getting was the, the people doing the uh, the medical study, and at least in my mind, I always thought it was a bit different doing a medical study. You invest your time, but not your your money. Whereas when you buy something, yeah. your expectation change a bit. Um, and now we're at that point where actually the people we're talking to or the people that actually bought a product, so the feedback we get, I think, is 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 more targeted and more uh, more interesting. The, those points, um, just trying to understand, I guess, that journey from the science through to product and the technology that you're building, I can imagine an engineering team that has to be outward facing from both perspectives, almost data science, data engineering, software engineering, and that, that relationship between the three. I can imagine that's tough. Yeah, no, you, you you're absolutely right. You are pulled in in, in different um, directions, and I think one of the things that we we did not achieve very well in the past was actually serve uh, and you know provide good service to our, our data scientists to the point where our data scientists can I mean, build a lot of things themselves because we're a lot more focused into um, other part and more kind of building the product, but. Um, it, it is something we need to improve, and as I said, I think one of the solutions is just being a lot more uh, cross-functional, as in, um, you know, trying to get a lot more of the data science, also building things that are going to be used, you know, next week or, uh, or next month's top in, in the app. Um, and we've started doing that a, a few months ago, whereas before it was, you really had, as I said, just very, very two uh, different time horizon. And, and in that case, you know, there is no um, great way to, to prioritize, you know, is uh it's hard to know if it's more important to focus on the thing that's going to make the app better next week, but at the cost of not developing the kind of you know, core science that could actually make the app like a big hit, but only, you know, three or six months from now. Um, and, you know, how do you balance that? I don't think there is like a, you know, a perfect answer. It's a, you know, it's a bit like, a, a, you know, A, gut feeling, B, a lot of conversation with, you know, the various stakeholders and you know, trying to find, find you know, something that works for everybody. 
When you say core science, is that the um, analysis and the models that you've got, do you mean? And is it just being able to get more data and translating that into better products? Is that what you mean? So it's, it's, yeah, it's not only getting more data, it's just just spending more time analyzing the data that we have um, because it's, it's just extremely complicated, um, you know, overall. So you've got uh, you've got all those people that did the study, and you know they log their food, and you've got their their CGM tray. So you have you know their their glucose um, across the day, for example. And um, there's so many aspects you could you could look at. Uh, so you know, for example, at at one point we spent quite a lot of time uh, looking at uh, at timing, um, as in. Does it make a big difference to eat things in in a specific order or with you know specific amount of space between between it? Um, but another data set that we've got some access to and actually didn't do that much is uh, you know the relationship between uh, CGM traces and sleep. Okay. Uh, you know, do you process food better when you're well rested or not well rested? Um, you know, yeah, maybe maybe you're you know it wouldn't be surprising that you process food better if you're well rested but does the data actually tell us that okay um, so it's just like that could lead that's a research project that could literally do nothing as in we can't find anything uh at best we need to gather more data at worst it's just a total waste of time because there is no yeah. correlation um okay i get that that's quite interesting if let's just say we roll the clock forward um, some months, I don't know in terms of deployment, what you're thinking about the US, you might tell me in the next couple of moments. Uh, let's just say you roll out to the US, influxes of data come in um, to your scientists. What technical challenges do you think you might see or the team are anticipating to come? So we, we are actually launching in the US in the sense from okay. the very beginning, we decided that uh, it was a better market to launch than, than the UK okay. because it's a bigger market. Um, so the thought process is going from one market to another is non-trivial, um, especially for us where there is a lot of legal aspect related to managing health data and et cetera. So from the very beginning, we're like, let's let's uh, go in the bigger market that we can, you know, actually uh, um, access. So for us, it was the US. Uh, now, obviously, uh, probably India or China are bigger, but they're just uh, not not markets that we feel we can um, actually, you know, operate uh, in for for plenty of reasons. Yeah. Um, so we actually did that, and the, the first thing is that for us, the bottleneck is um, is physical because our product is a mix of physical and digital products. So uh, we have to literally ship the kit uh, to people. Um, that requires quite a bit of logistic because we send the kit to people. So, you know, the kit needs to be assembled. You actually need to uh, get a bakery to cook the muffins and send them to um, and send them. Uh, and then you start, you know, receiving the data back. Um, and right now we've, we've got a big bottleneck um, in terms of operations and, and software for operations. So we're actually not not worried about uh, you know um, having this kind of uh, crazy growth uh, because we we are rate limiting at the moment the numbers of kits we are uh, we are selling because we know we're not uh, we're not ready yet. Um, but we we know we could sell the kit a lot more than 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 we could um, than we are at at the moment. But um, so 
the two things that tells me is that the, the growth is going to be controlled in our case, um, or at least for, for quite a bit of time, um, I, I suspect. Um, now, the, the technical challenge um, are actually more about what I've described in, in the short term, in the sense, building all the toolings for running that, uh, that product at scale. So minimizing the amount of, um, of manual work. <coughs> so the data we get back, if we put aside the sequencing of the macrobiome, is not huge. And I've definitely worked in, with, with data sets that are actually um, significantly bigger. Um, so sequencing of your microbiome, those files are a few gigabytes, but um, basically you run some software on it once and, and, and then you're probably not going to touch them for, for quite some time. Um, and that's quite quite specific and aside from, from everything else. So uh, dealing with the influx of data is not necessarily the big challenge. Um, there are plenty of things we need to do better there um, than, than we are. Like basically we are reprocessing almost everything every time we run anything. And that's, that's a bit stupid. We can, you know, we can just uh, do it on an incremental basis. Yeah. Um, but building the software for managing that is actually uh, quite hard because it's all about yeah, logistics and, uh, and, you know, dealing with all the exception cases, such as, you know, you're sending a CGM device to someone. Yeah. Yeah. Why did that someone break the CGM device? Uh, well, you have to resend the second one. Uh, and, you know, you don't want to track that in an Excel spreadsheet. Um, so it's all that eventuality. Yeah, it's, it's all those eventualities of what could happen with this person's product if it gets lost, resending, like you said. Okay, interesting. Um, in regards to tech stack, do you want to just give us some insight into maybe the tools that you chose that you think are right? Um, yeah, I think I think our, our tech stack is quite standard. So we run on GCP, which uh, is, I guess, a, a bit less common than AWS, but we're generally happy with it. Uh, a lot of the software we write is in Python, which is not a big surprise since there is you know, a lot of data science into what we do. So it started with your you know classical data science stack around you know Jupyter notebook and all the python libraries scikit-learn and etc um all of that runs on kubernetes um we are using frameworks such as django to write the back end uh, or front end on intuition side is um for the mobile app is, is full native uh, and that's something that we've um, learned with the COVID symptom study app uh, that uh, that we want to change. The COVID symptom study app is in React Native, so it's not full native. And that's been um, a really, really good experience to the point that we actually want to write our mobile apps in, in, in React Native and only have one, one code base. Nice. Um, database, you know, pretty standard Postgres. Um, as I said, we run some kind of uh, quite intensive um, compute stuff for the microbiome analysis, but that's mostly um, you know, open source and academic software that we run just directly on VM just because it's actually running them in Docker and Kubernetes I means it's 20% slower. Yeah. Uh, so that's maybe the only time where actually we have like really, really interesting performance problems. Um, so fundamentally nothing, nothing exciting, quite... Um, quite standard um, setup. Why the GCP move instead of the AWS move? Uh, I don't say that as a loaded question or with an opinion. I'm, I'm just curious because um, I've seen that a couple of times recently. 
I'm, I'm just curious as to why that decision. Yeah, so that decision actually predates my arrival at um, arrival at Zoe. So I have little contacts, but what what I know from it is that um, at the point where we did move, the reasoning was the toolings around AI um, was a bit more mature on on, on GCP than that at AWS. I generally have no idea if that's true or not. Um, I would say that we're generally happy with GCP uh, overall. Um, it does some stuff very well. I mean, for, we're relying a lot of on communities, and the offering there is is um, is very mature. That's that's very nice. Uh, for the COVID symptom study app, we used um, App Engine, and that's also you know working quite well. Um, I think the uh, support you get from a commercial point of view has been uh, a significant disappointment. Uh, which is interesting because that's something I've been exposed to in the press, but only uh, discovered about it more recently. Uh, and I think they made some change at uh, you know the head of uh, GCP uh, level, where you know they brought people that actually were used to dealing with uh, um, you know with uh, with uh, enterprise customers, whereas before it sounded a bit like well, GCP is great technology, but not necessarily a great sales organization. So uh, we, we it's probably the only. Um, company we work with on the COVID symptom study app that just did not offer significant help. Everybody else did. Like we had like just random people from everywhere uh, offering their help. And GCP was like, yeah, fill that form and we'll get back to you in three months. Great. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, You've obviously given us some really good insight into the mission launching in the US. There will be growth. So if people are listening, and as you know, we've spoken about some of the figures, we get a lot of listens, there'll be people that no doubt be interested. What do you look for when you're looking at engineers? What do you look for? How do you calibrate engineers? I'm interested to understand that mindset for people that are thinking about applying. Yes, um... So I think we, we look for a mix of things. Um, we are not particularly interested about frameworks or languages. We're a lot more interested about the kind of fundamental of, um, of computer science uh, on how do you approach a problem. So our interview process is, is you know, quite standard for tech companies. Basically, you can have some kind of phone screen, which is going to be you know, a bit like, let's write a bit of code. Can, can you write a bit of code? And we know this is imperfect uh, on the phone, especially over VC, but still, that's very interesting to see. Can you walk us through you know, some, some problems that we think is not particularly complicated um, and, and you know, tell us how you think about it? And let's, let's try to collaborate towards the solutions. I think collaboration is a thing we, we're definitely looking for. Um, a lot in in our interviews and then you know the process evolves towards basically every time you go higher one level reaching system design and especially for senior people system design is is um, something we weight um, very very heavily so you know if i give you like a very broad problem uh, how would you build a google search engine um, how do you think about that there's no right or wrong answer and you know you can go in so many ways um but that's very interesting because you know, how, how do you engage with, with the interviewer? Do you ask okay. questions? You know, sometimes you've got people that just start answering. Like you just literally give them, you know, one sentence, please give me a Google, uh, please build me a search engine and they build you a search engine. 
they have no idea if it's in a, a search engine for uh, you know on-prem uh, for a company for ten people, or if you're actually you know trying to build uh, Google. They, they don't even ask. So that's a, that actually tells you quite a quite a few interesting things. Um, and obviously, you can both explore the more kind of you know um, behavioral aspect or how do you know you would work in a team or with stakeholders and going quite deep into. Uh, into um, you know specifics. Uh, the joy of asking open questions. Yeah, um, so you know one of the things we, we look at is you know scalability. Um, you know how how do you think about that? Um, not necessarily that we're working at a very high scale, but we like people that either you know can think about that, or if you point out the problem, can say, oh yeah, okay, uh, maybe I don't know like the perfect solution, but I, I can you know. With my knowledge, I could try to assemble something that looks not 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 insane. Um, and then a lot of behavioral questions um, in in the next interviews, such as you know how how did you deal with certain situations in the past? Um, at the end of the day, our, our process is very similar to what you see at you know Facebook and and, and Google. And I think we, we're yeah really trying to index on how do you work with people, the kind of you know fundamental of writing software, not necessarily the specific of the of the frameworks of the language. Um, locally, that's a bit less true for some stuff. For example, right now we're looking for someone quite strong in front-end engineering because we think that um, we're we're a bit weak there. But um, it tends to be a bit more additive than just looking purely therefore how do you do React and and forgetting everything about uh, about the rest. We're still going to ask you, you know, how do you test your code? What great code looks like to you, um, and 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 those kind of things. And I would say. Zoe, I'm sure plenty of companies are saying that, but Zoe is a place where there is um, generally a very, very good atmosphere and and you know, people support each other. So we are uh, trying very, very hard to hire uh, people like that. And um, one of the questions I like asking um, when, when people reach me is, you know, how, how did the interview go so far? And the feedback tends to be, people tend to be extremely positive. Um, I had once, and I, I felt actually very bad about it, both very proud and very bad about it. But once we interviewed um, a woman who had like um, five years of experience and um, she reached match stage and she was like, I asked her exactly that question, how did that go? And she was like, I, I this is this is like the best interview I ever had. Uh, and it's the first time, she literally told me, it's the first time that I don't feel judged in the interview. But I feel okay. like I'm actually having a conversation, and I felt so bad for her because it, I cannot imagine what she, you know, went through for the last few years. Um, yeah, and I think that's one of the things we're trying to index for is you know, giving you not not just like a long stream of question, but really trying to have a conversation with you and 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 build toward the solutions uh, together. That's underestimated mass massively. I think the. It's it's a good representation of what you're trying to build internally, but I think the impact that that has on a candidate's experience of you is unbelievable, like you wouldn't even realise. I think it's massively underestimated. Treat people fairly. Have a conversation with someone. Understand someone, and like you say, how they think that will have a great impact. Don't ask them specifics. Be open. Understand it. That's what I think, anyway. Yeah, no, we, we do try to follow that. And, uh, you know, we, we're having 
some success in some places and I think in some other places sometimes you know just recently we had a candidate that um you know we said actually reached my stage and I just uh vetoed the candidate for because I was not happy with her um is um their answer at the behavioral question and uh actually that candidate was really really pissed off and got back to us and say oh um, how could that be that just one person can can just uh, you know uh, veto the whole process and I did well before well yes you did well before uh, we have no 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 problem with your uh, you know technical skills but we are looking for something very very specific also in terms of you know working with with others and people and actually I felt I felt quite good when he sent me that email because I was like well that's just <laughs> confirm exactly what what uh, what I thought from from the interview, uh, so um, it wasn't happy, and I'm sad for for that person. But um, I stand by my decision. Yeah, good. Uh, that's important too. Making a right judgment call. That's protection for you, other people in the team. Good. Okay, we've um, we've got a really decent grasp on Zoe. We've got a really decent grasp on where the science starts. The product, if you're listening, go and look at Zoe. Go and look at the products that they offer. Subscribe, get one delivered. Uh, this isn't promo, this isn't commission. I just think it's one of those really cool products that are out there at the moment. Uh, reach out to Julian. They've obviously got some interesting challenges going on. So reach out to those guys if you want to have an impact in the US. Uh, we are first day of lockdown. We know all the things that are happening in US at the moment. We won't go into detail, um, but go and get uh, a nutrition kit. Is there anything else that you want to share with us, Julian? I was going to say, go, 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 go and get your kit. Yes, only if you're in the US, because the kit is not available in the, uh, in the UK. It will probably be uh, next year. But uh, no, as you said, please uh, feel free to, to reach out if you've got uh, any question. Probably LinkedIn is the uh, easiest way to reach out to me and just you know, drop me a message saying that uh, you, you've listened to the podcast and I will be very happy to uh, to you know, just uh, talk to you. Good. The link will be below in, um, in the YouTube section and everything else. And thanks a lot. Like, shares, comments, visibility, thumbs up, love, and all of that good stuff is always welcome. And Julian, absolute pleasure. Thanks a lot. Same, Ilya. Thank you very much for having me today. Hey, guys. Thanks for watching this episode. Uh, massively appreciate you listening and checking in with us. If you want to find out more about us and what we're doing, please check us out on social media. What we're trying to do at Engineers is build a community to drive knowledge, sharing, and experiences. On Twitter, we can be found at engineers.io. It's no underscore. We've also got a website, which is engineers.io. These links will all be posted in the description. Any feedback and comments are massively appreciated. We're always looking to improve on where we can. Thanks, guys.